Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the Marketing Minds at DoYouConvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today, as always, is the ad doctor, Andrew Peake. Welcome to 79, and we're here with Jackie as well. Hi, everyone. We are Can't here. believe it. We're almost at the year's end here. Uh, freaked me out when I just got back from being on vacation with the family in Disney and I was looking at the calendar and because where Christmas falls and then New Year's in the smack dab middle of the week, I was like, oh my gosh, I only have like seven working days left this <laughs> year. Uh-huh. Not that, I mean, I work from home, so I'll be working every day just to get away from everyone else here. Right. But, and you're like upstairs, right? Like away from like yeah, main right. action, even better. <laughs> That's what I, I mean. Done yeah. That. Escape, but so smart. I'll be working, but no one wants to respond to my emails during that time. So it's kind of anyway. It's just like wow, yeah, the year is over. And then you guys were well. I was on vacation. I saw you slacking back and forth about like fifty some days until the builder show. Yeah, <laughs> every day I'm like, what? what? Is <laughs> it's what is it? I'll, I'm gonna go on there now. They have this countdown that like haunts me every time you go on there. <laughs> See now, right? Exactly. It's down to forty. Four zero. Wow. 40, 40 days. days. Yeah. So we got our dinner reservations all set up and I was like, oh my gosh, this just seems like it's it so shouldn't blink. be happening this fast. Mm-hmm. Speaking of happening fast, because of my vacation, I feel like I say this every time I'm on the podcast nowadays, I just, I'm slammed today with builder partner calls, which, which is awesome. It's good. But this is probably going to be another shorter episode to combat. Some of the guests we've had on have been longer. So, Hey, it is what it is, but let's, let's yeah. jump into okay. story time. Who wants to go first? Let's see. I'll do the fastest story ever. I, okay. It's, it's a good story. Nice. So I had a, a really good call this morning with a builder partner. We were just talking about remarketing. And I'm like, how can I bring data to this? Because I feel like people, I don't know if I've seen it done this way, even though I'll say out loud the steps I took to be like, where do people who come back to the site, where do they go to? What content are they looking for when they come back to the site? Which mm-hmm. that sounds like to me, I'm like, well, that's a really obvious like thing we should probably remarket. So here's the steps I took. So you want to create two different segments, but here's the thing. They're already created for you, so you don't even have to make them. (laughs) So you have new user and you have returning user segments. And if you're in analytics, it's at the very top. There's these little bubbles that you probably don't even even notice unless you do play with segments. But typically up there is all users. So change one to new users, change the next one to returning users. And then you want to look at all pages. So that's underneath behavior. And then the end goal is to find pages that people are going to significantly more if they're a returning user versus a new user. Hmm. So for this example, like collections, which, you know, that's kind of like above floor plans, collections Mm -hmm. had like twice as many returning users going to those pages as new users, which Uh, I thought was really interesting. uh, Oh, you think like people kind of explore those first because they want to, they go to the builder site. Oh yeah, that's funny. Right. But now that's like... they want I think to, there's like, no way you could go there first because collections mean nothing. It's like it this arbitrary nothing. grouping mm-hmm. that the builder made up. So the consumer just bypasses it the first time around. But I, I wouldn't have probably like reminded myself of that fact unless I saw the data that you're describing. So that's cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So yeah, as far as like if you need some remarketing inspiration ideas, like see where people are going after they've already visited your website. And this yeah. is, and, and I think it's like, it will give even more reason to like, hey, we need to have even more content. Because they're going back to these pages. If you go to them, you're like, oh, you could spend like 30 minutes on here. And if you want to get super nerdy, you could then break down each session 
going to those pages and you'll see people spending 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour that's cool. on your website. So uh-huh. quit. That's my story. Oh, I love, I love it. it. All right, Jackie. Yeah. All right. I'll make mine super quick too. So my sister and her husband who live in Texas are knees deep in house hunting. Oh man. They got married a couple years ago. They've been saving up. Well, long story short, after searching for months in the resale market, they finally put an offer in on what they thought was their dream home. Well, you could probably guess where I'm going with this. Pictures were, yeah, right. <laughs> Pictures were gorgeous. The house in person was immaculate. I mean, I heard for you know days her raving about it. All the main rooms refinished, fireplace, a pool. Well, after the inspection was done, there was a nice hefty list of issues that came up that were inside the walls and mm-hmm. they were outstanding. Mm-hmm. Crack in the pool foundation, AC oh, system replaced, roof damage. I mean, a lot of things that you'd expect when a resale market homes, older homes that have issues, you know, to the naked eye, you go in, it's just beautiful, but you don't know what's behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So because of this time of year, listings are far and in between. So homes aren't staying too long on the market. The owners didn't want to budge. So they were at that point where they put in what they wanted to, to the home. And they said, you either could do this. And because they were at the top end of their budget, they walked away. Mm -hmm. So heartbroken and frustrated. My heart was so happy when they finally took my advice to start looking into a few local home builders close by to them. There's a lot of choices in Texas. There are. And (laughs) it was one of those things where I feel like if you're in the industry, you're so much more knowledgeable than a lot of people who just get very intimidated by that, like the bulk large sum they see. And they were shocked at what their budget would allow them. So, you know, yes, maybe sacrifice the dream of that pool, but for all new everything else. And this made me think about the fact she is younger in the generation of the millennials. And it made me think about how they initially turned to the resale market and the fact that there was that misconception that they couldn't afford new construction. And because of the key demographic, like they're a large group in our industry. The largest right now. Right. And them, I mean, the fact that they didn't even think twice about it. And and for me, you know, trying to convince them, it took them months of searching the resale market to then come over, you know, to finally, oh, yes. Like I feel like angels were singing. I think about (laughs) all the like missed opportunities. Yeah. are out there for home builders that, you know, whether it's a marketing, a monthly payment instead of a whole lump sum or design packages with standard options instead of a bunch of upgrades, just somewhat that kind of appeals a little bit to the younger group. Mm-hmm. And or even, you know, sometimes I've, I've seen before working in the past with with the home builders, the fact that sometimes, you know, if priced well enough, you may not even need the incentives that or promos that you offer all the time. Right. The other thing, I mean, we've talked before about all the crazy misconceptions that people have. We were had really good friends in Pittsburgh who we were talking to them and their perception was that they wanted to buy an, a used home because then the home would appreciate much better over time than a new home. And I was like, huh? Mm. What? What are you talking about? That's that's not how it works at all. <laughs> Usually the biggest appreciation happens in those first 10 years and they're like, oh, really? Like <laughs> yeah. I, I thought it was the opposite. And but but then you talk about education 
And educating the consumer is extremely expensive. Anyone who's listened or watched to Shark Tank knows mm-hmm. that as soon as someone talks about like, well, this product is cool, but unless you educate someone, like it's not clear out of the box or on the shelf what this thing does and why it's going to make my life better. So education is really expensive and hard because no one wants to go to school. We all thought we were done with school. We don't want to, right. pay to we don't want to be educated, mm-hmm. we want to be entertained and educated at the same time. It's really hard and expensive and but it also makes me think this is a total stream of consciousness ramble here of Marty Gillespie, the president at the time when I came to Heartland in Pittsburgh. He used to tell me, Kevin, it drives me nuts that when someone is driving along the freeway, they see a neighborhood of a competitor X builder, Mm -hmm. and then they see our neighborhood, and they can't tell the difference from the freeway. Like, Why can't we design the outside of our homes to be so much better that it's just obvious when I'm driving down the road, that must be a Heartland neighborhood. Yeah. Hmm. Home builders have not done a good job of making their products obviously different or better. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh no, trust us. Inside the house, there's all this cool stuff that, or it's newer, or but from the outside, builders tend to drag their feet because it's like architects or costing pushes back. It's like, oh, that's a fad, like that farmhouse right. craftsman thing. Like, no one that'll come and go. Like, I mean, for goodness sakes, if your entire neighborhood was <laughs> was arts and crafts farmhouse style, yeah, eight years ago, and that trend first started, like millennials may have considered you just because that is what they want the current new thing. I agree. But from the outside, your home just looks like every other home built from the 1980s till now, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't think millennials understand, like you're saying, it's not just new. It's how that home lives back to Quint's point of like, what your home are you looking at? Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't have answers, but I, it does come down to education, but also education because our product is still so similar in many ways to what we have been building for so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. My story time is, a, I, I got a fun one. We got an email from a builder partner and the sales manager was very concerned because they were looking at analytic data, which, hey, uh, bravo, I give them uh, tons of of credit for a sales manager who'd be looking at analytic data. But it was about a neighborhood in one state getting a lot of attention and analytics from another state Hmm. and just seeming like, hey, we don't. We don't see a lot of reload buyers necessarily. We don't, we, we haven't told you we want people from this state. And it's all coming from a Facebook ad. So the ad must have something wrong with it. And when I went in to look, I was like, yeah, we must have totally messed that up because, I mean, it wasn't even a close state. It was a state in the deep South and then a state near Ohio. I'll just say that part. Wow. And lo and behold, come to find out, and I've developed this habit when something doesn't make sense of just doing some general Google searches to see what comes up. And there's a major employer in the state where this community resides that is moving offices around from the state in the deep South. And a lot of executives in the corporate location may also just be traveling to this deep South state on a regular basis. And so even though the AI was locked in, it it was picking up on its own. Wow. This behavior that was happening and making those connections. There were even comments in the ad like, Hey, I'm in Arkansas. Why am I seeing this ad for a community in Ohio? Mm -hmm. It doesn't make any sense. And it doesn't. But that's, you know, the AI started down the right path because it was seeing this relationship. And then it was testing additional exposure to other people who lived in Arkansas. And that didn't make sense. But that initial connection was correct. It was finding people who had the income and the means and potential interest to move from Arkansas to Ohio because of this connection of this major employer. In that's the crazy. 
crazy yeah. and it creepy. Picked up that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just I had some vision like it has like Andrew Peak and then it has well not Andrew Peak, but user ID, whatever my name is, strip all the mm-hmm. privacy stuff and thousands of attributes about me. And then all these other attributes everywhere. And it's like just morphing these connections of oh, likelihood yeah. to succeed, not likely to mm-hmm. it just I don't know. It's like the smoke is just like moving all around to find the right person. Yeah. And even then, what makes me so excited about this conversation and this thing that happened was it wasn't like there were all these visitors from Arkansas who spent 10 seconds on the site and left. Mm-hmm. And they were on there for like three plus minutes, if memory serves me correct, on time. average, looking at multiple pages. And you're like, there's no accident. Like, why would someone from Arkansas want to spend that much time looking at product in Ohio? It's fascinating. Unless, unless they really are interested. Mm-hmm. Thank God you and looked maybe- into it. I think anybody initially would look at that like something's, something's not filtering right. Something's wrong there. Yeah. Yeah. And again, why do they not see that maybe those folks are so few ultimately and the folks who are going to need to make a purchasing decision that only three or four people end up reaching out to an online salesperson or showing up on site. And so it never hits your radar of like, we should be proactively doing this. Anyway, mm-hmm. lots of interesting insights there. Cool. But that was, that was a fun one. And then the other one, super quick, because I know we're, we're really short on time, but another national home builder from a specific market reached out and just asked for some information on local budget and ad spend. And right now, not, not that we'll necessarily be working with them, but this is case number four now, I think, of a national, let's just say top 15 home builder showing us some budget information in one particular geographic market mm-hmm. where I'm just going to round the number off here, but they were spending more than $20,000 in one mm. market in the United States on just paid search. It's mm. crazy. Per month. It's crazy. Oh my. That's crazy. That means so, they're like overbidding and taking it, wanting to take it all. It is crazy, wow. but right. there's more, way more that I, I don't want to go into right now, but it's wasteful. But yeah, there's, there's just a lot of things there. <laughs> so much money. Uh, there's a lot, but yeah, that's... When when your competitors are getting more and spending more end result in terms of appointments and sales and quality leads, and they're spending 3000 4000 a month, mm-hmm. I think it's just interesting how far a lot of the larger builders are off the mark here in that they're still trying to use digital marketing like this blunt force, raw... Oh, no, no, no. You know, we used to spend all this money on newspapers... Just shove it all down the Google ad pipe, so to speak, and like mm-hmm. cram it all in there and use digital like it's mass media almost. Mm-hmm. It's like that eBay story we talked about in yes. the other exactly. podcast episode mm-hmm. of just all that money and then just that trial and error, taking that away to see if there was a change and there wasn't. That just blows my mind. Yeah. That's, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I have a lot of thoughts on that one. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. not that like, but just like the industry as far as like, money from TV and then it gets shoved to digital search first because Google was first Then here. Facebook is creeping up and then like people's jobs, not saying that that builder or any builder in particular, but just like the shift and like, Hey, we, we can't really do too much with, with Google. Here's the cap that makes sense. But we have all this effort needed for say content on the site. That's not really in-house or, or not even done really that uh-huh. budget should probably be shifted over to. Mm-hmm. But no, that's like different 
people being hired or different skills that and, maybe and complex have. and in terms of immediate ROI, if someone from the top is is not screaming but urgently saying we need more now, you can't. I mean, it's like you can't be like I need ten just people back, to do you this. Yeah, yeah. give okay. me a couple months and some really good content, and trust me, you'll be you'll be feeling yeah. good about this I decision. Could that's that that's a hard sale oh, to make. That's right? a very hard sale. Those, yeah. Mm-hmm. Unless we had another builder partner, you know, just in, in the month of November through the middle of December, you know, they're doubled the volume of leads from their core site. Well, now, you know, spending the same amount of money, now that's easier to go back and say, Hey, I need to pull some money off the table for content and play the long game because we've got the short game taken care of Mm -hmm. in terms of increasing our efficiency. Okay. We did have our first call in question. Yay. Nice. Yay. Um, so like we need to clap. Here we go. I know. Well, no, this isn't our first. We had a, we had a comment, but this is the one who wins the prize from whenever I said there would be a prize for the next one. That, and, <laughs> and Julie, um, who, who is the caller. Well, let's just go ahead and play it. Thanks for a great podcast. This is Julie. And I was calling because you've covered a lot on advertising with Facebook and it's led me to a question of whether it's best for a company that has multiple communities to have a Facebook page for each community or have one Facebook for the company and not divide it out among different communities. If you could let me know, that would be great. Thanks so much. Okay. So Julie, first of all, thanks so much for calling in. You will get the prize that I stated. I can't remember if it's the $150 one or another really cool one. We've got some good, good stuff coming your way either, either way. Tell you, so keep me in, in check here and tell me, remind me what I promised and we will, we will make sure we get <laughs> that amazing, to you. Whatever it is. But the question is a great one. And this is going to take a little bit of time. This quick answer is for advertising purposes, you only need the one page for sure. However, Within, um, if you go to the business.facebook.com, your business manager account, you click on that little hamburger icon in the corner, you're going to want to go underneath. Now, this there's two different ways here. If you have the new system of Facebook or the old, old interface, for me still, it's located underneath the asset column. There is a store location selection there. And we would recommend that you have those store locations filled out. It's like the Google My Business for Facebook, in essence. And it will allow you to have the appearance of having a page for each community without, from a managerial perspective, having to keep track and, and moderate multiple different pages. All the moderation will happen uh, succinctly in one, one location on the back end. Um, and so it gives you that appearance of individual pages, but the, but the management and control of a single, single back end piece. But from an ad perspective, Right, Andrew, we, we just need the one. Yep. There's really no, mm-hmm. there's no reason that you couldn't run a, an ad for a specific community from that one main page. Correct. I think the only exception would be if it's a master planned would be the only time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not a hard and fast rule. It's just something that we've kind of said consistently for a long time is that if the lifespan of a community is a master plan or not, if, if you've got it, well, no, I would say mostly master plan. If you, if a lifespan of a community is going to be seven years or longer and it's a master plan, because you could also have a master plan that's going to be relatively small in, in total unit count and you may be in and out. But if, it, if it's, if it's something that's going to be large enough, it doesn't have to be as big as the woodlands in Texas, which I think now has like five of its own zip codes. That's insane. It doesn't have to be that massive, that's- but it's its own town now at that point, right? It's yeah, or, or, or city. I think it's own bad. It's huge. 
if the name recognition of that project is going to be such and the lifespan of that project is going to be around for a long time, then you may want to have your own, your own one-off piece. Or if you're going to have multiple builders in that master plan neighborhood, mm-hmm. then, then it makes sense too. Good question though. I liked yeah. it. So thanks again, Julie, and make sure to call in with your questions on this episode or any other comments at 404-369-2595. All right, let's hop over to the news and we'll do as much as we can here in the next few minutes. The the one I want to hop to, uh, Andrew and Jackie, as you're following along, is titled 12 Days of Data, day number one. Mm -hmm. And this is from a great great group, uh, TrustInsights.ai. They also have a podcast as well, Trust Insights Podcast. And they also have another podcast called Marketing Over Coffee, which is a great nerdy podcast yeah, as well. These guys are, are great when it comes to data analytics, some light to medium AI work. I've known them for, for a while. We've connected back and forth a couple of times. Great, great group. But the headline of this article is Facebook brand engagement statistics for unpaid content. Basically, you're organic posting on Facebook and they're using data, large amount of data they, that they analyze and they come back with great charts and graphs, but I'm just going to jump straight down to the key takeaway, and then we can discuss. Unpaid social media marketing on Facebook, this is just Facebook, not Instagram, is effectively dead. According to their data, when one out of every 4,600 followers engages in any way with your content, you're better off standing on the sidewalk in front of your office handing out brochures than you are investing time in posting on Facebook without paying anything for it. Wow. Mentally make this shift in 2020 for your strategy. This is straight from the article. Facebook is only an ad platform from a business perspective, period, end of sentence. Change your social media marketing strategy accordingly. Roasted. Done. But yeah. Boom. <laughs> like drop that. I feel like that was enough right there. <laughs> yeah. So they analyzed just a couple of quick stats. Over 2,300 brand pages that published a total of over 6 million different posts that were not paid or boosted in any way. And that's how they came up with this one in 4,647 people actually engaged with the post. Mm-hmm. Mm. So we need to, I guess someone's probably like, well, I have to post something. Should I? Right. Like, I think we answer that like three times a week, something that makes sense for people to see. And I think, yeah, I even say once a week is plenty and it matters more to me. It matters more about the stack, the heap of content that, you know, why is someone going to your Facebook page? Either because they click on your logo in the corner of the ad or they just search or they click over from your website, whatever. But it's kind of like a brand search in Google. They already know you exist and then they're finding you there. Mm -hmm. And then all they're doing is they're scrolling through your stack of content Mm -hmm. of what have, what have you posted over the last two months? And is it important? Is it communicating anything other than happy Thanksgiving, anything that mix of content from a, I'm binging it all at once. What's there to me matters much more than how recent and how often am I posting? Mm -hmm. Well, I think it almost in correlation to that, how often it's almost like that one friend that you have on the newsfeed that needs to update every little thing they're doing. And to Mm -hmm. me, it's like back to having the rich, hardiest content there, especially someone going through and binging. I mean, that's, that's what you'd want to give somebody who's following. Yep. Yep. You have to think about having a mix of different types of content in that stack that they're going to binge. So if all you're doing is posting featured inventory, mm-hmm. what is that communicating to someone when, they, when they're when scrolling through there? If you're only talking about the 
favorite company recipes and where your draftsman came from, what university he attended and how long he's been working there. Mm -hmm. That's the only type of content you have there. What is that communicating? And and what is the right mix for you? But in terms of this pressure to post on a consistent basis and to line up amount of content there, they're saying, heck no, total waste of time. Now they have another article that we'll talk about next time probably. Uh, well, heck no, let's just yeah. do this one. I didn't contrast to Instagram because I think there's, there could yeah. be some, um, counter argument on just <clears throat> the mm-hmm. platforms. So, yeah, exactly. And so day two was about influencer marketing on Facebook, which is also basically dead. Uh, and then day three, 12 days of data, day number three, Instagram brands engagement statistics for unpaid content. So this is Instagram unpaid content compared to Facebook paid content, Similar methodology, similar number and volume of pages they looked at. And the key takeaway is that Instagram is a better place for now for brands to create unpaid social media content than Facebook for a couple different reasons. First, because there's multiple media formats. You've got the feed, you've got stories, you've got Instagram TV for longer form video. There's just more variety of content that can be shown. Second, people are spending looking at a number of posts per day, there's less noise from brands currently there. So it's just a supply and demand. There, there's You're like, more likely to be seen because there's less organic content there. So it's just a, it's a better place. If you, and, and I would argue, and I, this is probably on day some other day coming up here. Let's see. They've got LinkedIn on the list. They do not, but I would say LinkedIn is you know right now that other place like Instagram that's getting much more free organic reach from regular posting of good content. I, yeah, I definitely agree with that one. So I think, yeah, Instagram, it's, it's interesting. So Instagram, I think people, I did, let's see, they have the data on there. Have they always been more engaging on Instagram as far as likes, just like the natural way you would use Instagram versus Facebook? Like here, uh, I think Will Duderstadt had, had a thing like likes are free or something. He always said something mm-hmm. like that. I think people are more <laughs> willing to give likes on Instagram than Facebook. I need to I agree. See that I don't better. know if it's the scrolling and just easier to to heart something and go down through them. I definitely find myself like a thinner, like, like there might be more, but is it as meaningful? And then I think on Facebook, what I I was, I was thinking in my brain was like, if it's not worth boosting or spending money on, it's probably not worth posting. Like Mm -hmm. I saw the Thanksgiving and maybe I I had this Mm -hmm. natural like dislike of Mm -hmm. like, why do I see so many happy Thanksgiving, like generic things? It's not like it's like happy Thanksgiving from a builder and they're in the kitchen and there's, they're cooking the turkey. I don't know. It's not, there's no depth to it. They're just happy Thanksgiving. It's like a graphic of like fall colors. And you're like, well, Mm -hmm. that was cute. Mm -hmm. Like get out of here. (laughs) There's no effort as far as like, Oh look, here's the sales team or like the owner or something. So if it's not worth spending money on. Well, and Thais and I had that conversation about our own stuff. Like I I don't, we did, we did a happy Thanksgiving post and I don't, it's kind of like, I, I mean, I hope everyone knows implicitly if I saw you around Thanksgiving, I would say, have a happy Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. I don't have the same negative reaction that I would to someone because of the frequency of our postings that Mm -hmm. again, when they go back to that stack, okay, yeah, you're going to see happy Thanksgiving, but one, we don't put money behind it because only the people who really pay closely attention to our page are going to see it anyway. And so they're paying attention. They're seeing the amount we're posting. And then as you're scrolling through, you're seeing one of those and then you're seeing eight other posts right around it that are more meaty and in depth Mm -hmm. and, and, 
actionable. So it's, I would say it all, it's all about like, if you only post once a week or once or twice a month and one of those is happy Thanksgiving, then that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, that right. there. But if, mm-hmm. if you just have a lot of content that's good anyway and worth worthy of posting, I don't have a problem with someone have, saying happy Thanksgiving as one of one of 12, but, but one of two, it's like, that's a little bit light. Yeah. You, you need a little bit more. That is light. But yeah, they, they, they did a good job. I wonder what is coming up. Day, it looks like day four is Instagram influencer. And then are we on, is there day five yet? Or let's see. Didn't, nope. Day four is today. No. Well. Yeah. But this, this is a, it's a good series to follow. So yeah. we'll, we'll, in the show notes, we'll, we'll link to both articles as well as to the, the overall series um, that, that they've got going on. Great, great, great company. Very trustworthy guys. Breakdown is great. I love seeing all yeah. the stats they have here, the graphic. Yep. And holy cow, maybe this will be our shortest episode ever, but we are out of time. So for published articles, blog posts, videos, and more, check out doyouconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and everywhere else we are online. We've already got everything from a guest standpoint booked and, and recorded for December and part of January. But oh my goodness, we have four guests scheduled to interview in January. They're good. Everyone's great. Yeah. And three, fun ones. three of those four are not from our industry and I could not be more excited I'm for so you guys to, to hear them. So use this time to go catch up on the other episodes you haven't listened to yet. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. Yeah.